We are going to learn the second Sicha in Parshas Miketz in Chelek Dazvav. This is a Rashi Sicha, and the Rebbe explains two Rashis. And for the sake of clarity, we're going to split the shear into two. The first shear will be on the first Rashi, the second shear will be on the second Rashi, and also in the second shear we'll connect the two Rashis together and see why it was put into one Sicha. The Sicha is in Parshas, is on the Pasuk Parshas Miketz, and to give you the background, it tells us the story is the story that's taking place at this point is that the brothers return with Binyamin to Yosef, and in Pasuk Tazvav it tells us Yosef they stand in front of Yosef, uh, and Yosef biyar Yosef Binyamin Yosef sees uh, with them Binyamin, and he tells them he tells the person that runs his household to prepare a meal and to invite the brothers because they're going to have a meal in the evening. The Pasuk continues um, in Pasuk, oh, what's relevant to us, in Pasuk Choftas. After they, 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 come, they come and they all come to the house and Yosef greets them and they give this, Shalom for your father, is he still alive? And they say, Shalom, and they bow down. Pasuk Choftas then tells us, that he raises his eyes, Yosef raises his eyes, and he sees Binyamin, his brother, the son of his mother, meaning is, it's his full brother. Is this your younger brother that you told me about? And then Yosef tells Binyamin, Hashem should be gracious to you, my son. What does that mean, that Hashem should be gracious to you, my son? So Rashi tells us that by all the other brothers, they already got this blessing of Chanina. As we know that by when Yaakov was approaching Esav, um, Esav asked Yaakov, who are all the, who are these children? So he says, these are the children, these are the ones that Hashem was gracious to your servant. So all the brothers already got this uh, blessing of Chanina, because Yaakov says, but Yaakov wasn't born at that point in time. Therefore, Yosef blessed him at this point with Volashon Chanina. Pasuk Lamed continues, but Yemar Yosef, and then Yosef quickened, because his Rachmim was, was warmed up, Elohi regarding his brother, and he wanted to cry, and he went into the room and he cried there, and he washed his face and he left, and he held in his emotions, and he says, let us place bread, and the story continues. So in short, what we're seeing over here is that Yosef, um, after he, he sees Binyamin, he gives him a bracha, his emotions get extremely stirred, he gets extremely emotional, and he needs to cry. So it seems like a very simple story that because Yosef hasn't seen Binyamin for so many years, that's why he got very emotional. So therefore, it's hard to understand what Rashi tells us in the first of Ramaskal, He tells us, Shalai, that Yosef asked him, do you have a brother from your mother's side? And he says, yes, I had a brother, but I don't know where he is. Does he, does, do you have any children? He says, yes, I have 10. What, so what are their names? Their names are Bella, Becher, etc. What, what, what are the nature of the names? What do these names mean? Yosef asks him. So he tells them, all of them are regarding my brother. And the Tsaris, Hashem all of them are regarding the qualities of my brother or, or about the different Tsaris that happened to him. And he goes through all 10 names. Just to give you an example of something which is a Mila of Yosef, a Maila would be Becher, Shahi Bechar Limai, or a Mupim, because he learned from my father. 
something which would be Masad Tsaris would be uh, Bella because he was swallowed between the nations, or Gerush and Iskayer that he was living in an Ixanya, he's living in a, in a land which is not his. And Rashi goes through the meaning of all ten names, and then he finishes off that Kedisim Sachasaita, as we see uh, the explanation of these names in Sachasaita, and and right away his Rachamim was uh was 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 uh, warmed so the shaila is what exactly is bothering rashi the, the story seems very clear what's going on yosef's getting emotional because he didn't see binyamin for so many years what's rashi adding with this question and answer between him and binyamin he's asking about his brother do you have any brothers do you have any children what's the meaning of the name what's the connection to what's going on. First of all, why is he even bringing it? It doesn't seem like there's anything wrong. There has to be some type of question in the Pasuk. What's that question in this Pasuk? And second of all, even assuming that there is some type of question that he's trying to answer, why does he have to bring all these details in, which don't seem relevant to the story that's going on over here? Especially this whole idea of the 10 names of, of, Binyamin, of Binyamin's kids and what the meaning of these names are. Why is that relevant to the Parsha at this point of time? The reason why Yosef cried and got emotional is because he sees Binyamin. If, for whatever reason, Rashi needs to tell us that there was a conversation also that happened between them, why is it important to go all through all the different details of what that conversation is? It doesn't seem like it's adding anything to the parsha. And if it, it, it needs to add something, why can't you just put it in short? He should just quote it at the beginning, that uh, he asks him, do you have a brother, and etc. As he does in many other places, for example, we know that by Oig, that it tells us, in Parshas Chukaisa, tells us that, uh, he tells us that, it, it tells us in Perikaraya, which is in Sechus Brachas, that he was Ucker, he, he picked up a mountain, which was three Parsoi, six, and he says, Bechulu. I mean, you go look at Perikaraya to get all the other details, because there was a question in the Pasik, and in order to answer that question, it was relevant to know that story, therefore look at Sechus Brachas. So why over here does Rashi feel the need to bring the entire question and answers that happened between Yosef and Benyamin in order to uh, explain this issue with the, which is in the Pasuk. And the third question would be is, at the end, it says, after it says, Kedisa, the Masaka Saita, it tells us, right away, the Rachamim was Nichmuru, was Nishamimu. What What is the word Miyad coming to add over here? What is it telling us that it was after the conversation yeah, that's, it was after this conversation, that's when he had the Rachim. What is that coming to be? Moisif and Madaik, by just telling us that it was Miyad after the conversation. And second of all, we're, what's the source that it was Miyad after the conversation? True, it says in the Pasuk, Vayimaher, that it was quick, that the, the Nifmu Rachmav, he had to leave quickly the room because he wanted to cry because Nifmu Rachmav, but Rashi doesn't bring the word Vayimaher in the Dever Hamaskal. So the Nashmai says that from the words Nifmu Rachmav itself, we know that it's Miyad. But, if, you know, that's, of course, the question is, how, how would we know that? So what would be the source that it was Miyad after this conversation? That's when it was, Nifmir Rachamah. So to explain this, the Rebbe tells us that you look at the Pshut Mikra, it's impossible to say that it was because Yosef saw Binyamin, that's why he his emotions were were, were uh, or that his, his, his rachmim became in, in, in ignited. Because Yosef already saw him before. Already in Pasuk, 
to Zion, we said that he he saw he 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 saw he saw Binyamin. So why would it be that why over here would it be mentioning? So if you already saw him earlier before the meal, why didn't he start crying right away if if he couldn't handle the emotions of seeing his brother? Especially it tells us in our pasuk that it was, the emotion was so strong he quickly needed to leave the room. That's how strong the emotion was. So if it was such a strong emotion, it should have happened already the first time he saw Binyamin. Second of all, even at, in this story, when it's in his own home and they're having the meal together, it's not even right when he sees Binyamin he starts to cry. Rather, it says he raises up his eyes and sees Binyamin, and then he asks the question, is this, is this your younger brother? And then he gives him a bracha, and only afterwards then his emotions are stirred and he has to leave uh, uh, the room. So it doesn't seem like it's only from seeing him. It's, something else must have happened, else he would have cried right away. Elamai, something happened in between Yuchamcha, from, from the time that he gave the bracha, and that's what caused him to get emotional. So what caused him to be emotional? So what, 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 we have to look at the Pasuk. So from the, from the Lashon of the Pasuk, what's going on in the Pasuk, it seems clear that what happened is that after he gives him the bracha, he sees him. He's not yet, uh, he doesn't want to cry at that point of time. It's only after he gives him the bracha, that's when he wants to, that's when he gets emotional. So it has to something to do with the bracha. And all of a sudden, he gives them a bracha, and then he quickly needs to leave the room. And what happened? Why is he leaving the room? Because it's nifmu rachma el It has to do with his brother. That the emotions are stirred because of his brother. So I was that we're seeing over here in our Pasik that there's really two points that are causing this nifmu rachma. One is, as the Pasik says, Clark, because it has to do el achiv. And also, it's coming after the inyan of the bracha that he gave him. So this is this is the reason why Rashi. So that answers first of all question one: Why? What's bothering Rashi? What's bothering Rashi is that it couldn't have been because Yosef saw Binyamin. That's what caused him to get emotional because he already saw Binyamin earlier. Elamai, there must have been some type of conversation that happened that which caused him. His question is: What is that? What is that conversation? So the answer is this conversation we're having here. The second question is: Why do you need the entire rifus? The whole story. Why can't you just say The explanation is, is because you need to know the story. The story itself is what um, is, is 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 actually the pshat of the pasuk. The different questions that we're going to see that Yosef and Benjamin had is actually the translation of what's going on in the pesukim, because the pasuk is telling us that there are two things or two parts of what caused Yosef to have lich One of them was Elakiv, and the second one was because of the Chanan Elakim, because of the Baruch Elakim Yudchan Chabini. So th- therefore, the questions that he asks will also be connected to these two things. So the first question Yosef asks is, Yeshlucha Achmeim, do you have a brother from your mother's side? And he says, I do, and I don't know where he is. That's the first question. Just like in the Pasuk itself, it starts off with that. It says, So that's the first thing that he sees. He says that it's his so that's something which is relevant. As the next Pasuk itself says, The first thing that's relevant is, that's causing the emotion, is that it's his brother. So for the first question he's asking, he starts the conversation to discuss this idea of, of having a brother. He tells him he does have one. The next thing is, What is this bracha of Yechan Chabini? So Rashi, which we mentioned earlier, the bracha of Chanina has to do with children. As we saw, Yaakov tells Esav about his children, these, the children are Asher Chanin Elikim So the Indian of Chanina is a bracha uh, in, in regards to children. So after Yosef says Elikim Yechan Chabini, it's clear that it has to do something to do with children that's causing Yosef to get emotional. And 
it's not just that he had children, but it's something to do that these children, the children have a connection to the Indian of Al-Aki. Everything needs to have a connection to the idea that it's his brother that's causing the emotion. So even this idea of that there were brachas and, and Binyama had a bunch of children, what made him emotional was not just that he had children, but rather that the children were somehow connected to this union of that they were brothers. And that's why Rashi continues with uh, what the names of every single one of the children are. Because it has to do with the name of every child altogether. That basically, in short, that Binyamin, who at the time that Yosef was uh, sold as a slave, was nine years old. Um, as we know, that uh, Yosef, um, Yosef was Yosef was was uh, six. Yosef was born right uh, at the end of the seven. Um, Yaakov was in Haran for twenty-two years. The first fourteen years, he, seven years, he worked for Leah. The second, the next seven years, he worked for uh, Rachel. The end of the seven years, that's the pasuk tells us Yosef was born. So Yosef was six years old when he left Haran. Takes them about eighteen months, two years to get back to Eretz Yisrael. At that point, Binyamin is born. So Yosef would have been about eight years old, eight years old around. Yosef is sold when he's 17 years old. So that means there's a nine-year gap. So Binyamin was nine, and when he was eight years old, I should have mentioned, we know that Rachel was born when they got back to Israel. So Yosef would have been about eight years old. Binyamin is born when Yosef is eight, and then Yosef is sold when he's 17. So Binyamin would have been nine years old, nine, maybe 10 years old, depending again exactly how old Yosef was. So Binyamin would have been nine or 10 years old at the point of time that Yosef was uh, sold as a slave. So what's happening over here is that Binyamin is telling Yosef that he has this brother. And this brother has such a, an emotional and, and connection to him that he names all of his children about Yosef, about the qualities of Yosef, about the Tsars. And each name is about a different aspect of the tsar that Yosef would have had, or one of the milas that impressed Binyamin about him. So because of that, um, that's what caused the emotion, that he's seeing his brother, Bentley, who remembers him. And not only does he remember him, but he was nine years old when he sold. And the loss of Yosef had such a strong impression on him, and, and it was so much tsar for Binyamin, the, the suffering that his brother wasn't there, that, that he called all his names, all the kids, names of his kids, based on Yosef and the Tsar that he had. That awoke within Yosef a powerful emotion that was so powerful, miyad nichmur rachma. Right away, his, his, his rachmim was, uh, was, enlightened, was lightened up, was, became hot, was a flame. And that explains also why Rashi has to add the word miyad. Because what we're trying to say is that Yosef, as the Mishnah Lamelech, always had to hold in his emotion. As we see within the entire parsha, he never cries or gets emotional in front of the, uh, the brothers or in front of the other Mitzrim which were there, because he's the Mishnah Lamelech, and of course he has to give a strong uh, perception, a strong persona. So, even when he does get emotional, as we see in our Parsha, what happens? He leaves the room, he cries, he washes his face so they can't tell that he was crying, and then comes back in because no one's allowed to know that he got emotional. The only time we actually see that he got emotional, that he cried before this, was in, it was in Perkhav Beis, and it tells us that after 
he took Shimon in uh, his captivity and he sent the brothers back to get Benyam and he hears the brothers talking amongst themselves and they're saying that the reason why this is happening to us is because we sold Yosef. So it says that he turns around, he cries, and then he returns. Why did he cry? The reason why he cried is because he sees that his brothers had regret that they sold him and that's what caused that emotion. But he doesn't leave the room. It doesn't say that Nifmurachma, that his emotions were powerfully like a, a powerful flame and it was so powerful he had to leave the room and to wash his face afterwards because uh you know it would have been very clear about the strong emotions that he had rather no what he did is it says he turned away and he was somewhat misrachic he distanced himself from them cried no one told and then he turns and returned and then he turns back to them meaning is that it was a much weaker emotion it was an emotion not to cause him to cry but wasn't a all-powerful type of emotion therefore he didn't even need to leave the room and he didn't need to wash his face afterwards and of course, the reasoning for all this is because the king cannot cry in front of his subjects. So over here, what's happening is that it's such a powerful emotion that he has to run out of the room, which doesn't seem the proper thing for a king to do to have these strong emotions. Rather, you're supposed to holding it in. So the question is, what caused it? What caused Yosef to have such a powerful emotion that he's unable to control it? And it's so powerful, he can't just turn aside, but he has to actually leave the room in order to cry. Meaning is, it sounds like at least, that in the earlier story, when he cried, he turns, he distanced himself and cried. It was a weaker emotion. He's able to do it there. It, it wasn't a problem because no one would tell that he was feeling emotional. So it was a weaker emotion. And the people in the room were not a, couldn't even tell that he was having that emotion. So that's fine to have. But a powerful emotion like this, you know, sobbing and nifmurachma, the emotions of flame, that would not have been proper for him to do. Therefore, he has to quickly leave the room. So why would he... It, it shows that he wasn't able to control. That's the difference. The other one, he was able to control. So if he needed to, he could have held it back and not had that emotion in the earlier story when the brothers were feeling regret. That's what it sounds like. It's, he could have controlled it, and he had a certain control. Therefore, he could just turn around and do whatever he needs to do because it was a controlled emotion, and no one was able to tell that he had it. But, it's, but if he, I guess if he couldn't have been able to control it, he also would have left the room. But he wasn't. He was able to control Therefore, it was fine for him to have it there. This emotion, which is so powerful that it would have been recognized, but wouldn't have been proper for him to have in front of everybody, and therefore he had to leave. So what caused this powerful emotion that he wouldn't have been able to control it? So the, the answer is, it's because of Binyamin. It's because of what Binyamin was telling him. Which is, as we said, that he tells him that I have a brother, and I named all of my kids after this brother. That's what caused that powerful emotion. And that's why Rashi's being medaic. He said, Miyad. Right away, the Rachamim is Nichmur. Meaning is, the words Nichmur Rachamim are telling us that it's an emotion that he wasn't able to control. It was something that, it was, it was, it was an emotion which all of a sudden was a flame within him. And he had to leave because the Yimari had to quickly leave because he couldn't control this emotion. So Yimari is really just describing the Nichmur Rachamim, how powerful that emotion was. So how do we know that it was Miyad? We know that it was Miyad from the words Nifmurachamah, because why would Yosef have had this, if, if it wasn't the powerful emotion, if it was something that he could have controlled, then it wouldn't have been Miyad, he would have had it at a later point of time. But it was because it was so powerful, that's why it was Nifmurachamah, the uncontrollable type of emotion, and he had to leave. And with this, we could also answer a few other questions. So that's the main answer for this part of, part of the Sikha, but there are a few more details we could explain. First of all, in the, the questions in Rashi, he says, do you have any kids? He says, I have 10. He says, what are their names? Bella, Bafra, etc. 
says, what, what's the Tiva and what's the nature of these names? And he tells them it's about my brother and the Tzarks that happened to him. So why does he have to mention that he has 10 children? Why is that relevant over here? Should have just said, you have children. He should have said, uh, yes, you know, Bella, Bachar. Why is it relevant that he's saying I have 10 kids? Just say, do you have kids? And he should have said, yes, and these are the names. Um, so why does it have to be like it's two separate things? It sounds like it's important to say that he had 10 kids, which doesn't seem relevant. It seems like the more important thing is that he had kids. What are the names of the kids? They're all about Yosef. And that's what caused Yosef to become extremely emotional. So the explanation is, it has to do with this idea of Hanan. The idea of Hanan Chabani is, as we said, this is the same bracha that Yaakov gave his children. And he says, that Hashem gave this bracha of Hanan to, to your servant. So the Hanan, the bracha of Hanina, was given to his 11 children who were alive at that point in time, except for Benjamin. But not to Yaakov himself, it was just to the kids. Over here, the Lashon is, uh, Hashem should give you, should make you a chen. Meaning is that in addition to the kid, that he's going to have kids, but the, the chanina was also given to Binyam himself. So therefore, by Binyamin saying that he had 10 kids, what he's trying to tell us is that there was 10 kids, plus, of course, it was given to Binyamin himself. That means it's 11. So it's exactly the same uh, connection to the bracha that was given, the, the bracha that was given to the other shvatim. And that's also why that in the previous Devar Rashi quotes the words Alakim Yechoncha Bini. He also quotes the word Bini. Hashem should be gracious to you, my son. Why is he saying it's Bini? Because he's trying to tell you that Binyamin's part of the Bracha too. Because uh, he's part of the Bracha too. And it's the connection of the union of Hanina is because Hanina has to do with the union of, uh, of children. And that's why he also uses the expression of Bini. Bini is the union of my son. So Alakim Yechoncha Bini is that Binyamin himself is the Bini. He's also part of the bracha of Chinina. Um, one other point is that at the end of the Divar Maskel, Rashi says, Kedi'isa Mesecha Saita. So in Mesecha Saita, it only brings the 10 names. It doesn't bring about the questions that Yaakov and, uh, that Yosef and Benjamin were asking, do you have any brothers? What are the names? Uh, what, how many children do you have? It just tells you the meaning of the names. It's actually in a hemshech of a story that when Yosef is being seduced by Aishas Petitar, so it says that as you're about to be seduced, he sees the image of his father, Yaakov, in front of him, and he holds himself back, and the Shekhla Zerah leaves his ten fingers. The Gemara tells us that the ten, the Zerah, the Shekhla Zerah that left the ten fingers was supposed to be an extra ten children that he would have had. He was supposed to have twelve kids. He only had two at the end. He was supposed to have twelve, because the ten kids that he was supposed to have, that Zerah left through his fingers. But nonetheless, his brother Binyamin got those 10 kids, and the Gemara tells us that the 10 children are actually all named Al-Shem Yosef. So the Gemara is actually only telling us the 10 names itself. It doesn't tell us the beginning uh, of the, the, the different parts of Rashi, which um, so the, the idea is, and the idea is because the beginning of Rashi doesn't actually need to come from a medrash. That's why Rashi doesn't say Rebbeseinu Darshu or anything like that. Because the whole point of this Rashi is he's trying to say that from the Pshut Mikra, from the Pesukim itself, you can see that there was these questions about um, Yosef being a, about being a brother and about having children, as we see from the idea of Chinina, and that these children had a connection that they were named Al-Shem Yosef, and that's why it caused an emotion. The only reason he's bringing Masafa Saita is 
for the meaning of the names. From the Pesukim itself, we don't see what the meanings of the names and what they have to do with Yosef. From the Pesukim, we can see that there were questions that were being, the, the, the discussion that they were having caused a powerful emotion. And the discussion had to do with being brothers and having children. And, and so therefore, he understood that it must have been that the, the names of the children uh, had to do with Yosef, and that caused the emotion. Therefore, he only brings Masechah Saita for the purpose, for the names, because the, the, the beginning of Rashi is actually from the Pshutte Shemikra itself, from the Pesukim itself, it's telling us that there were these questions that were there. Rashi, in the meaning of the names, that we only know from the Gemara. The Rebbe points out from the Shuli HaGilion that you could maybe give a Doifik answer why Rashi doesn't say Rebbe Seinu Darshu, and say that it could be that since the idea that there was a conversation which caused this emotion between Yosef and Yemen is clear in the Pesukim, even if you want to say that these particular questions, you know, do you have any brothers, how many children that you have, you know, the particular questions we wouldn't know from the Pesukim, but we would know that there was something there that caused a powerful emotion. So maybe we can say that according to Rashi, that as long as the general concept is clear from the Pesukim, even if the prop and the details are not in the Pesukim, Rashi won't bother saying Rabbi Seinu Darshu. So, you know, so according to this way, Rabbi Seinu Darshu is only when there's no hint in the Pesuk at all for this particular type of interpretation. That's when you use Rabbi Seinu Darshu. But when the general idea is in the Pesukim, but the detail, the details aren't, then, then Rashi won't say Rabbi Seinu Darshu. So he says he doesn't like that. That's a daichik. Uh, because, first of all, He says, first of all, because the Pratim are not Mukha from the Pshutta Shemikra. So if the details are not Mukha from the Pshutta Shemikra, yes, the general idea is Mukha, but you're giving a bunch of details why are Mukha, you should have anyway said the idea what the Mukha is for that particular Pirsh. These Pratim are not Mukha. If it was just a general concept, then he should have just brought in the general concept that he spoke about something that caused emotions. But if it's the details that are causing it, then, and, but the details are not movements of the Pasi, then how do you know it was these details? And, and furthermore, he should have just been the Katzer. Meaning is, if it's not in the Pesukim itself that's telling us the details, then he should have just said Kedisim Sachasaita, Kedisim Menejashraba, whatever it is. If it's not the Pesukim that are giving us these particular things, why is he telling us all these different questions? He should have just told us the, more generally, uh, you know, maybe just quoting the Menejashraba or quoting Sachasaita. And even if he wants to bring some of the details, it should have just brought the idea of the names of the children, that how he named, that seems like the main point anyway, how he named all the kids after. Yosef, that seems what caused the greatest emotion. Why even bring the prior questions of how many kids do you have? Do you have any brothers? The children just went straight to the main point. From this, that it's all Rashi's bringing these details uh, about those questions. It must be that Rashi's bringing it because in the Sukkim itself, it's Mukhrach, that there was some discussion about the idea of being brothers and also discussion of the idea of having children. So Elamai, the Pshat that the Rebbe prefers is the Pshat that we already gave, that even the details are Mukhrach in the Pasuk. So the questions that Rashi is asking is Mukhruf in the Pasuk. And therefore, um, therefore, yeah, therefore Rashi brings them down. And the second uh, point is, um, why does Taka Rashi quote Kedisim Sachasaito? This Medrash is actually brought in a few different places. It's brought in, in the Tanhuma, it's brought in the Bereshit's Rabbah. Why does he bring Sachasaito? So we ever discusses this in our 33, and uh, if I'm understanding his answer correctly, he's saying like this. He says, first of all, in the other Midrashim, 
some of the names, one or two of the names, are not for the reason of that it has to do with being brothers. Meaning is, it's it's all that we're trying to say that the reason why Yosef got emotional was because all the names had to do with Yosef. But in the other midrashim, one or the two of the names weren't directly connected to Yosef. And for example, uh, one, one for the name Erd, I think it says that Erd is because my father was going to go down. Yoyred was Shaol. He was going to go down to the pit. As it says like uh, in mourning. You say by uh, Yaakov that he was so depressed about Yosef that he says he's going to go down to the pit to the Shaol because of Yosef uh, not being there. So that's just an example of one of the names that wasn't connected to Yosef, would have been connected to his father. I shouldn't point out that actually in the Midrashim, it actually brings both, I think it brings both names. It brings like the same one that Rashi does, does for Ered, uh, that he was Yerud uh, Omas, and then he also brings uh, like another shot that has, that has to do with his father. So it could be what I think the Rebbe is trying to say is, is that the names in the other places, there were part of the names that didn't, don't only connect to Yosef. So even though part of the name, you know, was named because of Yosef ben Yosef and also because of his father, like it's a further reasoning, but it's not only because of Yosef. It also had to do with other types of things that occurred. Therefore, the best source was Masech Saita that he sees that the entire name was only because of Yosef. Uh, um, second shot he gives is, is that it's in the other Midrashim, it doesn't bring the same order that Rashi has. In the Tanhuma, it doesn't have anything about being a brother. It actually starts with the idea, do you have any children? In the Tanhuma, it starts with the idea, do you have a wife? And then it asks about the names of the kids. Um, and then it, of course, goes into the, the names of the kids and the connection to Yosef. But it doesn't have anything to do with the, doesn't say anything about being a brother. So he doesn't want to bring them as the source because they're not actually the source for the beginning of Rashi because they they have of a different I guess you know there are different questions that are being asked. I'll give you the lashon of the Rebbe, which I, I didn't completely understand, but I'll tell you what I think he's saying. Uh, he says, specifically in Saita, the Seder Advarim initially is about Achiv Ben Imai, and Achikach it's about and then it's about the children that are hinting the idea of Yechancha. Like it is in the Seder of the Pasuk, that first it talks about the you know being brothers, and then it speaks about the idea of the children. So Masechah Saita goes according to that order. So the truth is, in Masechah Saita, it actually doesn't give you any, doesn't even talk about brothers or children. As I mentioned earlier, it was actually talking about Ashes by Tifar, and it says that the children that Yosef was supposed to have was was, was transferred to Gimyamin, and therefore you see that all the names were connected to the Indian of Yosef. So it doesn't actually mention anything to do with the questions that were being discussed. So I think what the Rebbe is trying to say is, uh, if I understand it correctly, is, the, as we mentioned earlier, the first two questions that were asked about, do you have brothers and, and, and do you have any children and what are the names, that is Mukhuk from the Pshut HaShemikra. From what we're bringing Masech Saita from is just for the Pshat of the names themselves. So he's saying by, by saying to Isa Masech Saita, it's clear that the first two questions have nothing, in not even mentioned in Sakhasaita, has nothing to do with Sakhasaita. Rather, Rashi's telling you what's the source from that? It must be from the Psukim itself. And only the end is something that you need the Medrash for, that you need the, the, the Medrash from Sakhasaita. So, by bringing Kadisa to Sakhasaita, what Rashi's telling us in a way is I'm bringing Sakhasaita, not these other sources, to tell you that the first two questions is something which is Mukhab from the Krah. 
and the names is what we learn from the Gemara, what the meanings of the names are. Mash uh, by the Brishus Ram Natanchum, as I as I said earlier, um, a I guess Rashi doesn't need to bring a source for those questions as we mentioned earlier, and B, the way actually how they write it down anyways is different than Rashi brings it, uh, so therefore it wouldn't fit so well. And the third reason he gives is, that in Masechah Saita, it tells us that the children of Binyamin have a very strong shaykhah to the Yosef, because these children were supposed to be Yosef's children, but because of the Sheikh Lazar that he lost, it became Binyamin's children. So again, that's showing the achba between them, that the children that Yosef was supposed to have was given over to Binyamin. Why Binyamin, not anybody else? It's because Binyamin is, is, his, is his brother, brother from his mother's side. It's his full brother. Um, so again, that is stressing the idea of Achva, which is a very important part in our discussion. Uh, the last answer the Rebbe gives, which is an R37, which will be more relevant to part two of the Sicha, is he says, at least by the Tanhuma, he translates the word of Nichmur as the word Nisgalgulu, which means doesn't mean warming up or becoming a flame and emotion, rather it means that it literally means to roll, like a Gilgal, like a, a rolling. But it means this to be stirred, like a, like a smaller emotion. He's stirred to Rachami, but not there's a, like he's, that his body becomes a flame with emotion, but rather it's a stirring, it's a much weaker emotion. So the Tanhumat doesn't translate the word Nichmur the same as Rashi does. And in the Bracious Rabbah, doesn't actually even mean at all this idea that the Nifmur Rachmav was because of um, was because of the questions that were being asked. So he didn't want to bring the the, the that either, because he doesn't bring um, that that it brought to Nifmur Rachmav. So I guess like in the Bracious Rabbah, it's on our Pasik. So from this that it doesn't tell us that one co- that, that the telling of the names causes Nifmur Rachmav is somewhat problematic, I mean, at least maybe a weak problem, but it's somewhat of an, of, a, of an issue to bring that as the source. Which doesn't discuss at all, as we said, this whole idea, just is discussing the idea of the names of Yosef, therefore it wouldn't, um, it doesn't tell us one way or other if Nifmur Rachmav is because of the names. Therefore that, we're showing that Masechah Saita is just being brought from the names, and this says, yeah, Nifmur Rachmav, that has to do with the Pshut HaShemikra, the Pshat of the Pesukim uh, itself. Uh, and uh, just to finish off, the Rebbe just brings in R33 that there are slight differences between Rashi and Masech Saita. Uh, for example, Rashi brings that his name was Gerach Shinizgar Bechsanya, while in Masech Saita brings Shagar Bechsanya. Uh, Rashi over here says the name Mupim means Mepi, Mepi of, of Lama, he learned from his father. While the Saita, you don't even have that name, it's not over there. Rashi brings it on Masech Saita as what the name Mupim means, but in the Gemara, Actually, it's not even there. So there are certain differences. What are the reasoning for the differences? So he tells us, what Rashi brought was because that's what the girsa that he had. So he had a different girsa than the girsa that we have. Or the other way is he might be explaining the words of the Gemara. So he doesn't quote the Gemara word by word because he's explaining it. So he'll use words which are that's more explanatory. And he points out that the in the second printing of Rashi, it actually brings the Gemara, the Girsa Gemara, how it is in front of us. Um, and he also actually brings the, there's two opinions of what the word Ve'erid means. So we brought that, Ve'erid ben Umais. Second opinion over there says Ve'erid means that his face was Daim of the Ve'erid, the rose. Uh, and that second Tfus, it also actually brings that. And the next year, we're going to discuss the next Divra Maskal and how that connects with this Divra Maskal. So now we're going to start part two.
of the Sicha. <clears throat> so part two is the second Rashi on this Pasuk. So Rashi is on the words, Nifmeru, which means became hidden, his, uh, his compassion became heated. And Rashi explains that the word means Nishamamu, became heated. And Rashi then brings three proofs, so that's the translation of the word. The first one is from the Lashon the Mishnah, another one is from the Lashon Arami, and the third one is from the Mikra. So before we go into the Rashi and, and, and the three proofs, we have a question just to ask to connect it to the prior Rashi. So the question really is, why would Rashi bring the translation of the word after he explains why Yosef became, um, his, why his emotions became heated. First of Ramasal is explaining why Yosef became so emotional. And then the second of Ramasal explains what the word means. So it makes much more sense to first translate what the word means so we understand what's going on in the Pasuk. Because if you don't know what the word Nichmuru means, then when you read the Pasuk, you don't know what it means. And then you read Rashi telling you why he was Nichmuru, you're not understanding, okay, so what exactly happened? So first translate the word, and only afterwards should you explain the causes. What caused him to be Nichmuru? That would be the logical way of doing it. Why doesn't Rashi do it that way? So based on what we said earlier, we can understand it. Because the Lashen of Nichmuru has two translations. Uh, Hagam Unkulus translates it as is Goilulu. Uh, the Radak in Hoshea tells us that the word Nichmur has two translations. One of them is is, is Goilulu, as Hagam Unkulus says, and he brings the second one, which is Nishamamu. Is Goilulu means, uh, literally means to roll, which is the idea is that the person's emotions is getting somewhat stirred up. Nishamamu means it becomes heated, which shows on extremely powerful and strong emotion. So Targum Unkelis is translating our Pasig as Isgalulu, meaning is that there was a regular level of emotion. There was somewhat of an emotion of compassion. His, his emotion was, his compassion was stirred. While Rashi says it became warmed up, it became heated, which shows on a powerful emotion. So what's the proof? Rashi's translating that means Ischamu, but what's his Raya? What's his Echacha? But that's what the translation of the word means. It's actually from the first Rashi. After Rashi explains that what caused the emotion is his interaction with Binyamin, how Binyamin, uh, call, uh, how Binyamin called his children by the name of Yosef. And Yosef, even though he was the Mishnah Lamalach, and he should have been able to control his emotions, he shouldn't have had to have left the room and cried and then washed his face and come back in. But nonetheless, Yosef was emotional. He had to leave. That shows that this was a powerful emotion that he was unable to contain. So therefore, Rashi learns that it wasn't a lower level emotion, a right level, level emotion. It must have been a very powerful emotion, which he was unable to contain, and that's why he had to leave the room and he had to cry. So that is Rashi's proof. So first he has to explain what caused the emotion, so we see that it's a powerful emotion, which is being caused. And then he could tell you, okay, now that we know what it is, we know it's a powerful emotion, then what would it mean? Does it mean Galu? Does it mean Nishamu? Of course, it must mean Nishamu. So that's why Rashi says, it brings this Rashi second. But the question then is, okay, I understand from that it must mean a powerful emotion, so it can't mean his galilu, but how do we know that it means nishamim? How do we know that the word nifru has a translation of nishamim? What's the, what's the source of this particular translation? This is the first time we've seen an entire, so what is the source that uh, nifru means 
nishamimu. And that's what really Rashi is trying to do, is to prove what the translation of the word uh, is. So he brings three proofs for that. So let's uh, look at the three proofs. So the first proof he brings, he says, is from Lashen, the Shalin HaMishnah, This is a Gemara in Bab Metziah. The Gemara over there is discussing the Mishnah, which the Mishnah was, dis- uh, was telling us about um, selling items before they're ready, before they're before they're uh, ready to be sold in the market, meaning is, let's say you're selling a harvest, but the harvest actually hasn't, uh, there is no harvest yet. So you even haven't, haven't even planted the crops yet. So you're selling things that aren't yet in existence. And the idea is that you're selling it at a lower cost. So therefore there could be problems of avak ribis, that you're selling produce which isn't yet available, either you don't have it, or the market does not have yet a price for this particular item. Um, and therefore, it, it could be problems of avakritis because you're basically getting money now, even though you do not have that item, in order that in the future you'll give them a better, uh, you're basically giving that item for a cheaper price. You're giving, basically, the guy's giving you a loan. He's giving you a loan because you're not actually giving him anything at that point in time. You're not selling him the produce because you don't have the produce. And then uh, when, when the produce is ready, then you're going to give it to him then. So it would be like a, you're giving him a loan uh, for that particular uh, point of time. And then you're paying him back with produce, which is worth more than the loan. So let's say you're giving him, he's giving you $80 and you're giving him produce a few months later, which is worth $100. So that would be a vac ribis. So the Gemara over there discusses uh, that, that regarding a, this, the Mishnah says that a vat of olives it is permit, it's permutter to Give a you'll ought to be paisik, you'll ought to give a certain price for the vat of olives because the vat of olives is considered that it's already at a stage which is ready to be sold, it's already at a stage which is produced, it's already considered it's, a, it's, it's olives. So the Gemara asks, How is the vat of olives ready to be sold? How is it ready to be? Uh, pr- it's ready in a level of being produced. Lahaira, there's different stages of the olive process that hasn't been done, and the first step of that produce is that it's supposed to become warmed. You have to warm the, the olives, and by, by warming the olives, that causes the oil to eventually come out. So that hasn't been done yet. So therefore, you can't sell oil because there is no oil at this point in time. It's just inside the back. So the Mara says, We're talking about When it says in the Mishnah that we're talking about a vat, it's talking about specifically a koymer shalzeitim. And a koymer shalzeitim means, as Rashi explains, it's the koymer is a vat which is already heated. It's the olives have already become heated in the in the thing. So when the Mishnah is talking about selling a vat, it means a koyim which is a type of vat which the olives have already become warmed within this vat. And therefore, it would be allowed to be sold because you have that item uh, ready. And it, it could be, when you're when the guy's selling it to you, you're just selling them at a discount, but there's actually no loan involved because you're selling the produce at that moment in time, even if you only deliver it later. So the point is that we see that the word koyim is a vat of zaytun, but specifically a vat of zaytun which is has become warmed. So we see kaimer is something all those that have become warm. So that's a proof that also nichmaru, which is the same shayrish, means warmed. Lashon arami, michmar disra. The second proof he brings is from lashon arami. So I should point out lashon mishnah over there means it's a brisa. Tani Rebbe is the brisa. Lashon mishnah is the brisa, as we know 
like we see in Pikyov, is the sixth parak. The sixth parak is actually a brisa, Kinyutaira. And it's called Shanuchachamim Belashan Mishnah, that the brises were also taught in the Lashan of the Mishnah, so it's actually a brisa over there. And um, even more so, it's actually Tani Rabhiya, that the way that Rabhiya learned the Mishnah, he had a different girsa than, than when Rebbe used. Rebbe used the girsa that we currently have, of course, but Rebbe Rabhiya, the, the, the the teaching of that Tana that taught that Mishnah, Rebbe had the Girsa, had a different version of that Mishnah. So Rebbe version was of Kaimishal Zaitan. So it's literally would be Balash and a Mishnah because that was Rebbe He's not explaining the Mishnah. He's actually teaching what version he had of the Mishnah, which was a Kaimishal Zaitan. Okay. The second proof is from Lashon Arami. It says Mishu Michmar Bisra. So this is a Gemara in Psachim Dafnutches Amadalaf. And over there, it's Machloikis regarding when Erev Pesach is a Shabbos. So the halacha is, you're allowed to shech the carbon Pesach, but since it's Shabbos, you're not allowed to uh, clean it and then roast it until Moitzei Shabbos, which would be, of course, the first, the Yom Tif of Pesach. So usually, the carbon Pesach, the carbon Tamid, was shechted earlier in the day um, on Erev Pesach, so there'd be enough time to be able to do the carbon Pesach and to roast it and everything that needed to be done on Erev Pesach. So basically, they do the carbon Talmud early, and then they bring everyone would bring their, their, their Pesachim, and they'd have time to uh, shecht it and roast it, etc. But the Shaila was, since it's Shabbos, so anyways, you're not allowed to roast the meat until after Shabbos. So the question is, if you start, if you if you start bringing the psachim early, there's a chash that maybe the meat will become that maybe the the, the meat of the of the pesach will become rotten. So Rishmol says you should just bring the carbon time in the regular time, and then you bring the pesachim afterwards. So it'll be less time for it to become rotten. While Rabbi Kiva says no, you do everything early. We're not chayshish. From uh, for, for this idea that the meat will become warmed, so that's what uh, Rashi's quoting says. Mishum michmar bisra. What do they argue about? Iconically, the Mora tells us mishum michmar bisra because of the heating uh, of the meat becoming heated, right? because the meat will become heated by the sun. So that's the argument. So that's the second proof. The th- third proof is the mikros from a pasuk. This is a pasuk in Eicha Perakir pasuk Hey. Says Irenu ketanor nichmaru. Our skin is. Uh, heated like a oven. What does that mean? That our this is this is one of the 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 inu and one of the things that the Eden suffered by the Golas, uh, by the Chorban. So it says our skin is heated like a tanner. This means nischan. Our skin became heated. The nikmatu kamatim and it became shriveled and wrinkled. because the burning uh, hunger that we had. So because of the burning hunger that they had, their skin became hot and shriveled. their color and similar. This is the way of every type of skin, that when you heat skin, it, it shrivels and becomes wrinkled. So that is the third proof that we see, that the word nichmaru means heated, just like our skin became warmed like a tanner. So that's the third proof that the word nichmaru means heated. So the questions are, we'll ask, there's a few general questions, and then there's questions about each one of the proofs. So we'll first discuss the general questions, and then we'll go into each proof and the questions that the Rebbe has on each one. So the general question is, why does Rashi need three proofs? Just bring one. Elamai, there must be, there's an issue with each one, and therefore he needs to bring all of them. And the second question is, why is he bringing the proof from the Pasuk last? Shouldn't you first bring the proof from the Pasuk in Eicha, 
then the Lashon Mishnah, and then Lashon Rabbi, go in order uh, of, of when things occurred, when things were written, especially since the Pasuk in Eicha is actually exactly the same Lashon. It's Nichmaru, just like our Pasuk is the Lashon of Nichmaru. Or us, it's Nichmaru, there it's Nichmaru, but it's exactly the same spelling. So it's 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 identical word, Masha Inkain, the other places where it's Akoymer or Michmar. It's not even exactly the same word, so it's a different type of word formation. So definitely should have brought the Pasuk first. The explanation is, is as we mentioned, the word Michmar could have two translations. So what we need to prove is that Michmar means heated. Because true, it might not be a skylulu, but how do we know that Michmar specifically means heated? Maybe it means something else. Actually, another translation for word Michmar is blackened. Um, so how do we know what it means? So the first thing that we have to do is we first bring the proof from uh, the Lashon HaMishnah. Because in the Lashon HaMishnah, we know Lashon HaMishnah is very similar to the Lashon of the Psukim. That's the most similar. Yeah, of course, you have the Ksuvim, the Psukim themselves. And then the Lashon of Mishnah, Mishnah is also written in the Lashon HaKadosh. So even though it's not exactly the same Lashon HaKadosh as the Psukim, but it's the closest thing that we have because the Gemara would have been written in Lashon Aramaic. So the Lashon of the Mishnah is close to the Psukim. It's just a, it's, it's a Lashon HaKadosh from a later period of time, but of course was based on the, the Lashon HaKadosh of the, of the Chumash. So that's the first and the, and the strongest type of proof. But the problem with that, uh, so therefore when it says Michmar Bisra, that's, uh, um, oh, sorry, that would be the first proof that we would bring that we're talking about a, a vat of olives that has become warmed. The problem with that proof is, is that how do we know what the word Hakoymer means? Technically, we only know, maybe the word Koymer is, is, is a type of Kli, and the name just happens to be Hakaimer. So yes, it might be talking about over there, Hakaimer uh, of Zaitz and something that has already become warm. But how do we know that has to do with the name Hakaimer? Hakaimer shall Zaitz. Maybe uh, the Hakaimer is just the name of the Kli and nothing, nothing to do with the what's going on within the Kli. So this is the name of the Kli, is Hakaimer. It doesn't mean that it's called Hakaimer because Hakaimer meets and this is what's happening for the olives. Lavdafkin. So we need to have a proof from somewhere else that the word Kaimer itself means warmed up. So, what, so where do we bring the proof from? That's where we bring the proof from the Lashon Arami. Lashon Arami is close uh, to the Lashon of the Mishnayis. Uh, as we know, Aramaic is very close to Lashon HaKadosh, especially since the Aramaic of the Gemara is to explain the Mishnayis. So in the Lashon of the Gemara over there, it's Michmar Bisr, where it's clearly a verb. It's telling you the Pu'ula, that the, um, that, that the meat is becoming warmed. So it's actually two milas in that particular proof. First of all, it's talking about a Pu'ula, that it's something that's happening. It's clearly, it's talking about something which is happening to the meat. So it's an act of warming the meat up. Also, the way of the verb form is that the meat is becoming warm on its own. I mean, it's coming, not that you're warming it, but it's coming warm on its own because of the sun. So this is also a very strong proof for our Pasuk because our Pasuk is also talking about that, the, that Yosef's emotions became warm because of what he heard. His emotions became uh, stirred, became warmed, became heated. So therefore, once we have the Lashon Aramaic, the Lashon Aramaic shows that the word means becoming warm. And that's how we know that also in the Lashon Mishnah, it says, and what does mean? It actually means, uh, it, it's called because the word actually does mean the idea of being warmed. Nonetheless, Rashi does not suffice with that proof. 
because he wants to bring a proof of exactly the same word. As we mentioned earlier, that the word nichmaru is exactly the same word that we have in our Pasuk. So it brings the, the, the proof from the, from the Pasuk in uh, Chomish. But nonetheless, this is the third proof that it's being brought, is because it's the weakest of the proofs. Because as Rashi explains, what exactly was the suffering that they had over there? What was the suffering that happened? They're saying because of the hunger, the burning hunger that we had, our skin became heated like a tanner. And that causes the skin to shrivel and to become wrinkled. And that's the derech of all or to become shriveled and wrinkled. Which that really means is that the word nichmu could really have another translation, which is shriveled. It can mean heated, which causes shriveling, which Rachi is touching. Or it can mean shriveled on its own, that it became shriveled because of the heat of the uh, Tanner. So technically you could translate in a different way, therefore Rashi prefers that to be the last shot. And on the contrary, over there in Eicha, the main point of the Pasuk is telling you that it became shriveled uh, and uh, sickly, the skin. So therefore, that's the reason why that's brought as the last shot. So now let's look at each shot on its own. And um, what the questions would be on each one and how, as we see each shot in a more fuller way, we'll also be able to appreciate the general answer of Rashi is giving us. So the first raya that we brought was from Al-Kaymer Shel Zaitzim from Baba Metziah. So the Rebbe asks, why are we bringing a proof from Al-Kaymer Shel Zaitzim in Baba Metziah? We could have brought another proof from the Gemara Yavamis, which Gemara Yavamis comes before, Seder Nashim comes before uh, Seder Nezikin. And over there in Yavamis, it tells us, it says, uh, the Lashon of Anovim, Kaymer Shel Anovim. The Gemara Yavamis is talking about uh, David Sifse Yisharim, that when a tzaddik passes away, when someone repeats a Shmua B'Shmai, the lips of the tzaddik move. And it compares it to a Kaymer Shol that is that of an oven, that you have olives within it, and the heat of the olives, uh, once it has the heat of the olives, it makes it, it makes it so that when you touch the olives, right away the liquid, uh, the liquid of the olives comes out very easily. So you have the Bad of uh, sorry, not bad of olives, but bad of grapes. The bad of grapes. It's warmed up. It's been in there for a while. You touch the grapes. You put your fingers inside of the vat. The the juices jump up to the top, bubbles to the top of it. So similarly, when you say the shame, a shmu, the shame of of a tzaddik that passes away, the lips of the tzaddik inside of the kever move. So that's the idea. Is just like the. The, 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 the juice of the, of the grapes are easy, to, it's very easy for it to come out. Similarly, the shmu of a tzaddik is very easy for it to come out from the lips of the, uh, of the tzaddik inside of the kever. So why don't we bring that proof over there? So the explanation is, the rig is three pshatim, one in the pnim, two in the ars. He says, the first shot is, because from there in the Gemara, it's actually, again, it's not clear what the word kremer shal anavin means on its own. Like we have Rashi translates it to mean heated, but it's based on other Gemaras that he knows it means heated. He actually brings the Gemara in Psachim. That's the, the main shot, because it says Michmar Bistra, so we know that the word means heated. So that's where Rashi really brings it from. But if you don't have the Gemara in Psachim, that's telling us that Kaimer means Michmar Bistra, warm, uh, uh, becoming warm, how do you know what Kaimer show another means in that situation? On the contrary, we can learn what is the shot of the Gemara, that a Kaimer Shola Zayt, as Kaimer Shola Novin could mean, 
that it's a vat of grapes. And since it's in the vat, the pressure of the vat is squeezing all of the olives, uh, all of the grapes. And, to, and therefore, when you touch it and you push down on some of the, 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 the skin of the, the grapes, the juice shoots forward, jumps upwards. So there's no proof in the Gemara that creamer comes from the idea of heat. No, it, it could just mean that it means the idea of being pressed. Second of all, in the Gemara uh, in Yavamis, the idea of the Kremer Shalnavin is brought derech Adam. It's not really what the Gemara is talking about. It's not talking about uh, grapes or vats of grapes. It's talking about other Inyanim. It just brings a Navim Shok of uh, the, the grapes as an example, as a mushal for the idea of the Tzavik, who passes away and you say, Ashmu B'Shmai. Masha'ik in the Gemara Bab Metziah, the entire Gemara is discussing exactly what, what is this vat of grapes. And we're talking about a vat of olives. Also talks about a vat of grapes, also, I should say, in Bab Metziah. It talks about both. The reason why the Rebbe brought Dafka the Kremer Shal Zaitzim, even though the Gemara actually talks about both in Bama is because the Brisa, Tani Rebchia, was Dafka al Kremer Shal Zaitzim. The Gemara says that just like Rebchia translates that the vat of olives in the Mishnah is talking about is al Kremer Shal Zaitzim, similarly, the grapes in the Mishnah is also talking about al Kremer Shal Anadim. But the Brisa itself was actually talking about and then when it says that's not the Lashon Mishnah, that's not the Brisa, that's the Gemara saying the same shot would be about uh, the, 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 the grapes. So it's actually, that would be the Lashon of the Gemara uh, quoting or copying the Lashon of the um, of the Mishnah or the Brisa over there. But either way, the, the main sugya of talking about these vats would of course be above Metziah, so therefore it makes sense that he'd bring it, uh, bring that Tafka. And third of all, The main, what is the main process for olives as opposed to grapes? The main process of the olives is actually the heat of the olives being together. That is the way how the oil comes out. That's the part of the process. Mashenkin, by Novim, the main uh, process to make the wine is not the heat, but the main process is actually the pressure. Uh, that's, what the, uh, that's what the Rebbe says. The main meaning is there is an aspect of heat. I guess also by grapes, but that's not the main aspect of grapes. The main thing that grapes that's making the uh, wine would actually be the pressure of the grapes being in, and then it sits there with that pressure, and I guess it sits there for a while, and eventually it ferments. Masha inking by the olives, it's actually the heat, which is a very essential to the process of, of making oil. Uh, heat uh, is not as essential to the process of making wine, so therefore, again, it makes sense why he's bringing the, the Kremershal Zaitzim, because the Kremershal Zaitzim, the heat, which is, that's the main, uh, reason why I got the name, I guess, of Kaimer is because the Zaitzim need this you know, becoming warmed. That's why it's a Kaimer shell Zaitzim. So therefore, that's ultimately why the Rashi chooses the Gemara of Bab Metziah, because over there, uh, it's, it's, it's clearly talking about becoming warmed. The Gemara is talking about the olives, which are becoming heated, becoming warm because of the Kaimer. The only problem we have is that is, how do we know that Kaimer means it's becoming warm. Maybe it's just the type of kli. It's called a kaimer shalzeitzim. And the kaimer shalzeitzim is where the olives become warm. But maybe it has nothing to do with the name kaimer. It's just the name of the kli happens to be kaimer, but it nothing to do with becoming warm. That's why we need the second proof to show, no, that michmar bisra, that it actually means becoming warm. But definitely the Gemara Baba Metziah is clearly talking about that the kaimer shalzeitzim, the, the olives within it are becoming warm. Masha Enkin and Yuvamis, uh, when it says kaimer shalnovim, it's Labdaki even saying that the anovim are becoming warm. It could mean that the Anovim are becoming pushed and pressed. Uh, fine.
the, the next, the next diak is why, this is an Ahara, seven, why is it that Rashi brings this Gemara from Bab Metziah, why doesn't he bring a Mishnah in Maestris, Peretes, Mishnah Aleph in Maestris, talks about if, um, when, you, when you're harvesting your produce, at what point does it become Chayev in Maestris? So it tells you that if you cook, if you cook some of the food, if you salt it, you, you pickle it, it would automatically at that point, whatever you pickled, cooked, salted, would become chayv and trumas ma'isus at that point in time. But the Gemara says that if you're michmar the the, the 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 produce into the ground, that will not be kaveyet for ma'isur. Meaning is by hiding it in the ground, that does not make it uh, like a finished product that will become chayv and trumas ma'isus. So the question is, why don't we bring that as a proof that the michmar, as the Mephorshim explained over there, means that by hiding the olives in the ground, that causes them to become warm, and therefore it helps them become uh, ripe. So again, so we have this lashon of michmar, and it has to do with making the olives, uh, by digging and putting in the ground, it makes the olives become uh, warmed and thereby ripe. So the Rebbe gives two answers. And R7, he answers, first of all, most gyusais of that Mishnah do not have the word michmar. Roiv gyusais actually have the word michman. Michman means to hide. It comes. It's it's lush, It's uh, it's Aramaic. It's uh, Unkelos uses it to translate the word tzida. Tzida means to ambush. So he translates tzida as achmein or machmein, which means to uh, to hide something. So according to most your slice of the of the Mishnah, it actually means that you're hiding the vegetables into the ground, and it has nothing to do with heating it because only olives need the heat of the uh, of the ground to be able to become ready. Uh, uh, to be processed. Mashiach and other vegetables, the reason why you're hiding the ground is, um, I'm not actually 100% sure, but that's part of the process to help it get ripened. You're, you're putting inside the ground. Uh, I don't know if that just preserves it or that actually helps it, but either way, it's nothing to do with the heat. Why these other vegetables? Because they don't need heat. It has to do with some type of uh, process of, of getting it ready. So it's nothing to do with heat. It has to just do hiding. So it has nothing to do with, uh, of course, our, our, our situation. It's a different word. A second shot he gives is, that even if, according to those Gersois, that say that it is Michmar, but the word Michmar over there uh, means it's actually being used as a Pu'ula, but not as a Nifal. Meaning is, it's saying is that by hiding the grapes, uh, sorry, hiding the olives, say the olives, uh, the, 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 it just says produce in the Mishnah, but the ones who learned that it's talking about heat, like the Rash, uh, say that it's referring to olives is that when you're hiding the olives in the ground, that makes it become warm. So if something else is, you're hiding it, then it should become warm. how the way that we want to use it, we're trying to use it in our Pasuk as a Lush and as becoming warm on its own. Mishamamu became warm. Right, like the Basar is becoming warm because of the heat of the sun, not that you're doing something to make it warm. And that's similar to also our Pasuk, we're talking about Yosef was, Nichmu, that Yosef's emotion became warmed. Not that you're do, not that you're trying to bring heat, that you're trying to warm up. So nichru zaitz in bekarka would mean that you're warming, you're doing something to warm up the zaitz in the karka, not that the zaitzim are becoming becoming warmed as an illusion of the nipple. So that would be a second reason why that wouldn't have been the best proof to bring, even according to that yourself. The next question is from the let's go to the second proof. The second proof in the uh, Rashi is he brings a proof from Psachim. Uh, which was Michmar Bisra, as we said, the warming of the meat, which was a very good proof. It shows on the Pula. But the Shaila is, why doesn't he bring a proof from Mesachas Brachas? That also over there, Mesachas Brachas, there's an Alashan Arami. Uh, it's talking about in the Mishnah of 
noivlis. It says the Mishnah that the, the noivlis you have to make a bracha shahakal on. Zmar asks, what is noivlis? So one of the answers that the Gemara gives is it's is that is bushle kamra, which means uh, heated heated by the sun. Which is talking about dates which are heated by the sun. The bracha that you make on them is shahakal. So over there, again, on its own, there's, it's not so clear what those words would mean. It could just be, well, that's the name of the dates. The names of the dates are Bushle Kamra. So if we're trying to figure out what Anavim is, or a Kamrashel Zaitsim, by telling us Bushle Kamra, that is not giving us a clear definition because that's just the name of, of, of a product. The name of the product is, of that thing, is called Bushle Kamra. So that's point one. And point two is that even though, even if you want to say that bushle means cooked, kamra means heat. So clearly, that, you know, that's the reason why I got the name bushle kamra is it was because something which was heated by the sun. So even if you want to g- give that translation, but still it's being used as a way of an adjective. It's describing a particular item. It's not being used as a, in a verb form that we're saying is that uh, it's basically translates as cooked by heat. Cooked by heat, not that it's heating something else. So in the Gemara, in Brachas, it actually just means cooked by the heat of the sun. Mashainkin, what we're trying to do in our situation is to use it in a way of a verb form, and specifically in a way of a nifal form, that something is becoming heated. Not that something is hot or has the heat of something else, but it's we're using it as a verb form that which is causing heat, that Yosef's emotion became heated. Therefore, the proof in from Mesechus Brachas would not be the best proof for our situation. Okay, so the last the last proof that the, that, that Rashi brings is from the Pasuk in Eicha. Uh, the, the Pasuk, and we have a few questions on this proof. So the Rashi's Lashon is, Mamikra Eireinu Ketanur Nichmaru. Our skin is like a heated oven. That became heated and becomes uh, shriveled and wrinkled. As the Pasuk tells us, that's the end of the Pasuk, because of the flames of, of hunger. This is the way of every type of R. When you warm it up, it shrivels and shrinks. So the question is, first of all, why is Rashi bringing a proof from Eicha? There's much clearer proofs that he could have brought from Malachim Aleph and also from Hashem. In Malachim Aleph, it tells us this famous story of Shleim Melech with the two women that uh, one of the babies died and they were both arguing about who the who is the mother of the surviving baby. And when Shleim Melech says to cut it up, it says that one of the mothers says, no, let the other one have it. Why? Because Nichmuru Rachamah, uh, that her mercy was Nichmuru on the child. So over there, it's talking about a mother about her child. So obviously it means that her emotions became stirred, became warmed up. And similarly in Eshe, it's talking about uh, Hashem is saying, how can I give you, make you like Sadoim and Amayur, how can I destroy the Jewish people? Because Nichmuru Nichumah, Hashem's Nechama was aroused. So why don't we use that particular Pasuk and not the Pasuk in Eicha? So at this point, it should be clear, the reasoning is, because those two psukim don't actually prove what the word nichmuru means. Nichmuru over there can mean either isgailalu or it can mean nichmuru. It doesn't mean stirred. Hashem's emotions were stirred or the, the mother's emotions were stirred. 
it's lav dafka from over there, then it means a strong, powerful emotion. As actually Targumunculus does translate it also over there as this Gaimunu. So just bringing those Psukim wouldn't prove anything by our situation. Even if you want to prove that over there, it must be a strong emotion. But again, that doesn't prove what the actual word means. All it can prove is that there's a strong emotion over there. But doesn't it prove that it means becoming, becoming heated? Uh, the other questions on Rashi is, why does he bring the end of the Pasuk? He says he brings the beginning, that makes sense, because the, the R is becoming warm like a oven. And then he brings, at the end of the Pasuk, because of the, 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 the flames of hunger, why do you have to bring the end of the Pasuk? He doesn't bring all the sugyas uh, from, from Bab Metziah or the, the sugya from Psachim. So why over here does he feel he needs to bring the end of the Pasuk? So the explanation is because the word Nichmaru over there, there's different translations over there. One of the translations is became blackened. So it could mean, the passing, some actually translate this, this way, that our skins have become blackened like an oven, like the black suit which is inside of an oven. So therefore, Rashi has to prove that it means heat. From the end of the Pasuk, where it talks about that our mitnei zalofis rav, zalofis is a lotion of heat. Um, the Radak actually over there gives two translations for the word zalofis, and he brings proofs for them. One is the idea of terror. The other translation is heat. The idea of terror does not make any sense over here. Why would terror cause a person's uh, skin to become blackened or um, or shriveled, or heated. So therefore, that wouldn't make any sense. So therefore, what it must mean over here is office, it means from the fires of the hunger. So using the Lushan, office clearly is trying to talk about, is we're talking about something to do with heat, that why is the person, why is the person's, why is he nichmar, why is his, why is his skin uh, have this nichmar to it? It's because of the heat, which is coming because of the hunger. So clearly, they're both have to do with the Indian of heat. So that's a proof that Nikhmar over there means heat and it doesn't mean blackened. The Rashi continues, he says, This is the way of every ore that when you heat it up, it, it becomes shriveled and, and, and shrunken. Why does Rashi need to tell us how it is usually by ore? Is Rashi trying, like, what's that relevant to our Rashi? We just need to bring a proof. We brought the first part of the Pasik, uh, the, the, both parts of the Pasik, which clearly tell us that it means heated. Why does he feel he needs to tell us that this is the way of every type of or well, How does that connect to our Pasuk? So, so there is a doichik answer that ever brings in the Ha'ara, that maybe you can say it's trying to give you a comparison. That just like the or when it gets heated, it shrivels and shrinks. So similarly, our Pasuk is using the Lashen of Nichmaru in the same way, that when a person becomes heated, his heart becomes shriveled and shrunk, and he's not able to contain his emotions, and that's why you cry because crying comes because you're unable to handle the emotion that you're having. So therefore it's coming because of the shriveling. So maybe that's the connection, but that's a very strong deichek to say, that's why Rashi's bringing that besides for the Pashtas, because Rashi's explaining a Pasuk and Eicha. He's explaining the Pasuk and Eicha and he's talking about Or. So, so if he was wanted to tell us that has to do with the emotions, that has to do with the heart, A, he should have bring right at the beginning of the Pasuk, right at the beginning of his Pirish. Should have said Nishmeru, which means Nishamu. And then he explains, it's warmed up, the heart becomes warm, and therefore the heart shrivels and, and that causes the crying. He doesn't bring it at the beginning when he's translating our Pasik, he only brings it at the end when he's translating a Pasik and Eicha. And it seems like, you know, from reading the Pashas of Rashi, what he's trying to prove is, he's trying to prove that the Pasik and Eicha 
is talking about heat. And he's saying, every type of R, to prove that the Pasuk in Eichel is talking about heat. So Elamai, the proof is, is, is like this. Once we know, because of the Lashen, that we're talking about a heat, which causes, uh, which, that the skin is becoming heated. So the question is, what type of, what type, what type of sar is that? What, why, is, why is that an inu? Why is that suffering? So your skin's a bit hot. So Rashi tells us right away, Nishamu, when he explains the passage, Nishamu came warm. I, what type of tsar is that for an individual? So he says, because the skin becomes shriveled and sunken. Why does that, and what's the proof that that's the chas? So it becomes warm. What does that cause? That causes the wrinkles. And what's the proof that we're talking about that it's heat which is causing the wrinkles? Because Zalaf is Rav. I, if that's the pshat in the Pasuk over there, why, does, why doesn't the Pasuk tell us? It should have told us instead that it's becoming wrinkled. Meaning, Lachaira, that maybe the pshat of the Pasuk over there means, Nichmu means wrinkled. Maybe the Pasuk, that, that's why he doesn't need to tell us. Why tell us becoming heated, which is nothing wrong with becoming heated, but rather the issue is becoming wrinkled, just tell us wrinkled. So therefore, Rashi tells us, the Pasuk doesn't need to tell you that uh, about the wrinkles. He says, because that's the derech of R. Anyone understands that when the skin becomes heated, that causes the, the, the skin to shrink. And the, the heat, which is causing the skin to shrink, that's what causes a great amount of pain. And every Talmud knows that because, you know, you put your hand over fire, that causes pain because of the, the skin, which is, is starts to shrivel. When you have the skin, if you leave it over and the hand starts burning, the, the skin starts shriveling inwards, and that causes a, a lot of suffering. So that's why uh, Rashi has to bring Chaim Be'er Kolar, because it's explaining the Pshat and the Pasuk. So by explaining the Pshat and the Pasuk, that proves that uh, it has to, that the word Nichmer over there means he did. Just a, 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 a last uh, few diukim is <clears throat> the Rashi, this is R41 and 43, Rashi and Hashem, and it's talking about, uh, we brought this passage regarding Hashem, and Hashem is, um, when we sent the Yid in the Gaulas, he, he, he somewhat, he doesn't want to destroy the Yid. He doesn't want to, how could Hashem sing, how can I make you like Amira and Sadaim? And Hashem's compassion is Nifmaru. So Rashi over there in Hashem translates it as Nishamamu, the Lashon Arami. He says it means warmed up in the Lashon of Arami. He doesn't give any proofs, he doesn't say anything. So the Pasha is the reason why he does that, he doesn't bring any proofs, because he already gave us the proofs in Chamesh, and here he's just, just trying to give you just the translation of the word. But in addition, what's interesting, Rashi translates the word again in, in a nifal form, because nifmaru means it's, it's, it's the effect, it's the act, it's the verb which is happening, that, that the emotions is becoming warm. Um, that's also why in the Gemara Nyavamis, which we mentioned, where we're talking about that the David, the, the lips of the tzaddik uh, move in the cover, just like the vat of wine, the wine moves when you touch it. Rashi says, how do I know it? He, he translates, what does Divra Maskal Kaimer, what does the word Kaimer mean? He says, Kumoy Michmar Bisra. How does he prove what the Kaimer Shalavim means? He proves it from the Gemara in Psach, Michmar Bisra. Because again, as we're saying, what is the proof, what the word Kaimer means? Kaimer means becoming heated. So the ultimate source of what the these words uh, mean uh, would be from that Gemara in um, Psachim. And the Gemara Psachim itself, uh, where it says Michmar Bisra, he uses the Lashon, the Doimelai, Allah Kaimer Shal He says, and something similar, similar to this would be the Kaimer Shal He doesn't say Kumoy, 
like he does in all the other places, like he does in uh, Yavamas, where he says, Kamoi Michmar Bisra, he says, it's Daimala. The reason is because the word itself means becoming warm. Alakoyim Shalzaitim is a Kli, which is called that because it's connected to the verb. So Alakoyim Shalzaitim means a Kli, which, uh, which is a Kli which has heated olives within it. So therefore, it's just Daimala because uh, because that's talking about a kli, well, this is talking about the verb. So the verb is actually the shayrish of the kli, but not the other uh, way around. Uh, and he points out that in the drushim of Chassidus, when it translates on this passage, when it translates the idea of kinichmeru, it only brings malashin michmar bisra. It doesn't bring like kamaykaymer shalanavi and kaymer shalzeitin. It doesn't bring the pasuk from echa. It always brings this idea of michmar bisra because that's really the essential translation of the pasuk, and that's what we're seeing from Rashi that. Uh, he brings, again, just to recap, why he brings three proofs. He brings the Lashon of the Mishnah first, because Lashon of the Mishnah is similar to the Lashon of the Chomish. But the Lashon of the Mishnah itself, how do you know that Michmar means it's called that because of the heat? So we need to bring the proof from the Gemara and Pesachim, where it's talking about the wheat becoming warm. Once we have the Lashon of Rami, it says that it means becoming warm, then we understand that the Chomish Shulzeitz, and the reason why it's called that is because of the olives which are becoming warmed within it, and then we have the translation for our Pasuk. And still, Rashi wants to bring the Pasuk in Eicha, even though it's the weakest of the three Purushim, it's because that has exactly the same Lashon as our Pasuk, because it says the word Nechmaru. So it is the weakest, but it still brings it. And over there it has, uh, as we said, it could also just mean wrinkled or shriveled. Um, that's why he prefers this other translation, but because it could mean over there, just it could mean directly shriveled, or it could mean it became shriveled because of the heat. So, um, so that's why it would be the third and the weakest of the uh, proofs over here. One last ha'ara would be ha'ara forty-seven. In Eicha, Rashi also brings um, where it says Arenu Ketana Nichmaru. So in ha'ara forty-seven, he says Bechein Ki Nichmaru He brings what does the lashon mean? So he says. Like our pasuk in our parsha says nichmu rachmav, and he says v'loshin agamar yesh harve. In v'loshin more, you'll find many times this idea of becoming warm. He says ala kaimer shalanavim. That's one proof. A michmar bisra. So he brings the kaimer shalanavim, and then he brings michmar bisra. He doesn't bring kaimer shal zaitzim. He brings kaimer shalanavim. The question is, why wouldn't he bring kaimer shal zaitzim? As we just proved from the Rashi on Chumash, the main proofs would be the kaimer shal zaitzim and the michmar bisra. Why would he bring over there kaimer shalanavim? So the Rebbe gives two answers. Answer number one is because, again, the main place where Rashi is explaining this is in Chumash. So that's where he brings the best proofs. When he brings it in, uh, in uh, Eicha, he's bringing just examples. So therefore, he picks the first example where you see what that word means, which would be in Yavamas, because that's not how Rashi explains it in, in Yavamas. So true, Yavamas not, might not be the source of what that word means, but it's the first place. As he said, there's Harbi Belash and Hagamar, and he just brings the first one. But if you go through the Gemara, you vomit from Matziel, you'll find many times that that word means. That's one shot. But he does point out that the Lashon Al Hakaymer Shal Zaitzim is hard. Al Hakaymer Shal Navim is, 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 is not actually the Lashon which is in Yavamis. The, the Lashon of Yavamis is Kaymer Shal Zaitzim. There's no word Al. The word Al is only found in the Gemara in Babba Matziel, because the Gemara in Babba Matziel. He's using the Lashon of the Mishnah. The Lashon of the Mishnah was saying, Allah Avid Shal Zaytim, uh, and therefore the Gemara, Tani Reb he has the Lashon, Allah Kaymer Shal Zaytim. Now the Avid Shal Zaytim, he has Allah Kaymer Shal Zaytim. So therefore it also says, who it did by the Anavim, you should have it, Allah Kaymer Shal Anavim. So that's in Babu Metziah, not in 
uh, Yavanis. So Ebezoi, it seems like, he's trying to point out, that Rashi over there is actually talking about the Gemara in Baba Metziah. So if he's talking about the Gemara in Baba Metziah, why would he bring it from Al-Kaim Rishol Zaytzim, Al-Kaim Rishol Anavim, why don't you bring the start, stronger proof, which is Al-Kaim Rishol Zaytzim. It, it's, it's from the same Gemara, bring the Tani Rebchia, from the Lashon of the Mishnah. Not, not just the Lashon of Gemara, Yesh Harbe Al-Kaim Rishol Anavim. So it's Lashon of Gemara, so that fits at least. That it is the Lashon of Gemara, it's not the Tani Rebchia, but why? Al-Gufakashim. So in R54, he gives another answer. He says, he gives a different answer. So he's saying takets, it, it means the Gemara and Baba Metziah, but he uses Alakim Rishal Navim because in Echa, the main idea of the Pasuk is that because of the heat, it's causing the skin to become shriveled and wrinkled. That's what the suffering is coming from, from the, 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 the skin shriveling and, and it's just the heat that's causing it. So therefore he brings it from the Kim Rishal Navim because by the Kim Rishal Navim, the main process of the Kim Rishal Navim is the pressure from the Kramer Sholanavim. True, there's also this aspect of heat, which is involved, that it, there's heat plus the pressure, but uh, there's but the main idea would be the pressure which is causing it to become uh, ready. So the Kramer Sholzeitzim uh, would mean there's heat involved, but there's also pressure. So that would be similar to the Pasuk and Echa, where it's also heat involved. But the heat is not the main thing. The main thing is that the heat is causing the shriveling and the suffering which comes with it. Just like by the Zaytzim, there's the heat, which starts part of the process, but the main thing is not the heat that the, the, that the olives are causing by being in there, but rather it's the pressure which builds up uh, from the heat and from being pushed in there. That's what's causing the uh, grapes to be uh, ready, and that's why he gives Dafka that shtickle of the Gemara.